Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, this morning, on the first end of the first week of January, let me greet you for the first time this year. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we began uh, worship this morning and praying for uh, lots of families, so I'll, it's sort of the only announcement I have. Please pray for our families. We have a lot of people that have uh, the strange combination of either uh, COVID, whatever variant, to colds, to the flu. And it's been uh, the time between Christmas and January, our body has gotten really smacked with it. And if you've survived it, well done. Uh, and we will pray for those who are surviving it still. I'm convinced that God will get us through this. Yes? Are you convinced in your heart of that? I am. I uh I met with somebody who talked to me about God's healing power yesterday, so, and to hear their testimony, it was wonderful. Not enough stories about God's healing us. So I hope you're all doing well, and uh, this has been, I don't know how much recap I'm going to do with teaching this morning, because it goes way back, but we've been on quite a journey in studies of First John, and spent a couple of weeks just on the the first issue of practicing eternal life and the first one was in that you would understand that how you are a righteous being that God in what he did in his salvation when Christ entered into you you became a righteous being and we learned to practice that righteousness in a variety of ways, expressing our love to God, him expressing his love to us, and then also in the manifestation of how we deal with things in life, how we navigate life. And John's very clear on that. Peter was clear on it. James was clear on it. Paul was clear on it. They all had different points of view, but it all grew out of this fact of our true identity being righteousness. And when I start seeing that, that it's not me telling God, would you help me to be righteous, but rather it's God saying, you are righteous. And then we talked the last time I taught about saying yes to God over what what God thinks and says and believes about you. Because he believes, he knows his son. And he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And um, aren't you glad it was God's idea? Because from what I've seen of the ideas of people, they off go astray. God's idea about this didn't ever go astray. It didn't ever take a sidestep or a side street. We tend to. We tend to go, I, I love bunny trails, and we tend to go down them. But the straight and true is what God has declared of himself to us. Anything that we know of God was actually initiated by God in our lives. So John's clear, even in the love that we had, he says, he says it this way, it's not that we love God, but that he first loved us. So I think we have a tendency to look 
at life that and my Christianity and my Christian experiences that if I will initiate, then God will respond. If I will do something that gets his attention on my current circumstances and what I'm thinking and feeling and going through, then God will pay attention to me and I will begin to understand and know and, and get more. And actually, it's not that at all. God has never stopped initiating in your life from the time Jesus entered. That, that eternal seed that was planted into us. And here's the thing. We think it's something that takes a long time to develop. A long time to grow. Because uh, we're so... Um, we're one, we're carnal, and two, we're temporal. We live through this life by the measure of heartbeats. How much time do I have left? You know, we, we do silly talk. Someone getting ready to die, what's he going to leave behind? Everything. You know, we use silly, it's, it's strange in how we approach it. And I'm telling you, if you can flip that in your practice of righteousness and going, oh, to pray and go, I'm as righteous as I ever will be. Instead of God having to set up seven lesson plans for your life so that you begin to understand that and then you change. And God's plan is, I'm going to change you by dwelling inside of you. I am going to live my life in you. And that's what Paul meant when he said in Galatians, we quote it a lot, but we don't really read it and extrapolate what's there. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now do live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in Christ. That I am in Christ. In Christ used to be a term that I, I always found as religious church language. In my early Christianity, it was just, you know, they, I would hear somebody go in Christ and I, you know, fancied myself some sort of pseudo-intellectual hippie, uh, you know, and, oh, you just need the spirit, man. Jesus. It's not about language like that. It's about, you know, Jesus, and I just love the Lord. You know, we used to have, I used to have a Bible uh, cover that said something to that effect. And in Christ is one of the most... Stunning revelations, and it's why it, you find it in the New Covenant and the New Testament over and over and over again. If you have a search engine and use a computer to, to do your Bible, just type in in Christ and hit New Testament and see how much comes up. You will be shocked because we are in Christ. Well, what does that mean in this next step of how do I practice that here? Because I do want to engage God. Don't you? I mean, I don't want this to be lifeless. I want an experience full and rich because that's what his promise is, is that my life is different because I'm in relationship to him. Well, next thing is about knowing God. I want to know God. Now, here's where the, the catch, because it's a paradox also. It really knowing God is the ongoing practice of the reality of God life that's inside of you. Prayer is a means of communing with God. That's, we call it communion. And I don't mean the element, the sacrament of communion. 
but the idea of my co-union with him, I, I communicate with him through prayer. When I do that, we have a tendency to, and maybe you do in your life, it's how we handle much of life, it's how we're taught to handle it, but compartmentalize things. Uh, there's a, uh, any of you remember Gary Larson in the far side? He doesn't print his cartoons anymore. So one of my favorite Gary Larson cartoons is a farmer and he's got a bucket of paint and a paintbrush in his hand of, of paint and it shows the farm scene and on each thing is marked what they are. Chicken, so he painted chicken on the side of the chicken. Barn, he put barn. He compartmentalized everything by naming it and, and the caption with it says, there, that'll straighten a few things out. We have a tendency to want to do that with our knowledge of God. We want to compartmentalize the knowing Him. It actually starts with something much deeper than that. And it's the belief in your heart that God is with you at all times, in every way and in every situation. Don't compartmentalize. God's with you when you get up. God's with you when you're brushing your teeth. God's with you when you go to work. God's with you when you engage that person. God's even with you when you engage the person you don't like. He, didn't, he doesn't suddenly go away. And there was a whole, whole time period of teaching, and maybe you were in that. Maybe you weren't, but in the, let me say the charismatic movement, so I'm not attacking any church or any one thing. But we would teach about the Holy Spirit and they would use the symbology of the Holy Spirit being like a dove. And that if you did things that grieved him, he would lift off of you. And when you were being right, the dove would come back. And suddenly you have the knowledge of God. That's not real. God really doesn't abandon you on your worst day, at your worst time. You being your worst, God doesn't go, I'm going to think I'm going to go take a hike for about three minutes. Let me know when you're done throwing your fit. That's not God at all. It's not the knowledge of God, and it's not a way to know God. That's not what we do. He will never leave you, forsake you, ignore you nor abandon you start telling yourself that not him God you said you'd never leave me no Lloyd he said he'd never leave you go ahead and say it to yourself now here's the thing what you have to add to all of that about what he won't do is eternally because remember we're in the idea of what does it mean to be practicing eternal life God won't change in his view of you. How could he? He sees Christ in you. When he relates to you, he relates to you not just you as an individual because you're not anymore. You're not an individual anymore. You're in Christ. So he relates to you. Now, this is a little hard. So you got to go there and think about this. God doesn't go, hey, Brenda, I'd like to talk to you today. He starts talking to Brenda today because Christ is in her. He's talking to his son. Do you get that? 
Because it's really important. When God communes and communicates to me, it's because His Son is in me. Not because I've done something or not done something to get it, earn it, practice it. It's, it's God is practicing His presence in you. I tried so hard to practice the presence of God. I had read the book and I'd heard the seven steps to intimacy and knew about the four special scriptures to pray over my life and how to do my uh, four steps of having a really good devotional life, which I did really well. I mean, I practiced hard. And it wasn't that. It wasn't that. And I found much of my Christian experience disappointing. There were times when it was wonderful, when indeed something out of the ordinary circumstances happened, and I'd say, oh, God showed up. Really? God never went anywhere. When I am, you know, abide in truth and grace and what his word says, and I start taking it and saying, now remember what I taught a couple of weeks ago, saying yes to it, instead of the arrogance of saying, oh, I understand that, and I start going, oh, yes. Oh, yet when I read the scripture, I go, that's about me. Yes. And I start saying yes to it. Um, I get to know stuff that's true about God. And when I get to stu know stuff that's true about God, I start finding out what's true about me. Because remember, God's in me. If it's true about God, then it has to follow. If God is in you, then what? It's true of you. He really sees you as a righteous person. Now, it's one thing to receive that when Lloyd's saying it from the front and it's Wednesday morning and you're darn tired of everything. But that's when you really have to say yes to it. Yes, God, this is very true of me. It's very easy. And I know from my own, some of us have personality types that lean towards that more than others. It's very Interesting how we have garnered the idea of humility in the life of a believer. I'm humble if I make sure that God knows that I don't think I'm worthy. That's not humility. I'm even more sure to get some of it if I tell everybody else how unworthy I am. And I certainly know me and I can make a mistake, therefore... I shouldn't be or proclaim any of those things because the enemy will trip me up and show me that I'm not. We got jagged, ugly thinking. How will we ever be different if we don't see ourselves the way God sees us? One of the most humble things you will ever say <laughs> in your life is God made me to be me and he's joined me and he's living his life in me now. I am a different person. That's one of the best humble things you could possibly say. Are there times that you have to battle things in life? Yes, absolutely. And he's right there in the midst of the battle and he doesn't quit. 
And He engages us in such a way that His help through the Holy Spirit is with us because we get to know Him. But what is the knowing Him thing? Look at the sixth verse. It's really... This is First John 2, and it's where we... Uh, we've looked at this earlier, but I want to look at another part of it. Therefore, let... And the word let means engage, allow. Uh, let means... Um, you come running up to me and want to give me a hug, and I'm going, ah, oh, with what's going on, I don't know if I want to... It's me allowing you to come into that inner space. That's, that's this verse. That's this let. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Now, once again, you've got to go back a few weeks to what, it, what the beginning was. If you, what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life. How did he go from that to that? Because he's, he said that which we heard from the beginning was Jesus saying to them that John passed on, and this is eternal life that you would know Jesus Christ. He's going, this was the promise from the beginning, that eternal life is knowing God. So it's a stunning thing. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So what's the deception? They're going to give you stuff to do so that you can get God in your life when God's in your life. Don't let them tell you that. But the anointing which you have received from him, because he abides in you, it does what? Now, what does anointing mean? Anointing means that special time in which you understand that everything is different. When David was anointed, and they used oil as a symbol of that, to be the king of Israel. By the way, he was just a teenager when that happened, and there was a lot of years before he served as, as the king. When that came on him, I will tell you this, David never thought of himself different than being anointed to be the king of Israel, even though it wasn't happening. And everybody seemed to want to take him out. But what was true of him, I, I was anointed. That's this. God has anointed you for eternal life, to know him. God wants you to know him more than you want to know him. His want is greater than what you think it is. You do not need that anyone teach you. Don't, don't let somebody throw you off. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Oh, God feels so far away from me. Lie. Don't, don't say that. You're not speaking true eternal life, and it's not true at all. No, God, God's with me right now. What if I don't feel it? Am I just playing a word game then? You're overthinking it. God's with you, even when you don't feel like it. Because faith and feelings are two different things. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have 
confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. What is the confidence? God's never left me. God's never forsaken me. He never will because I'm starting to get to know him. You know, there was an old rock and roll song uh, when I was a kid that was called, I just want to get to know you, you know. Oh, God, to know God. What is it we're supposed to know about God? And what is it? Because he says, uh, if you know that he is righteous, so do you know that God's righteous? Do you believe that God's righteous? Okay, if that's true in your life, then you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Now when you hear that, what do you think? He who practices righteousness. What does that mean to you? In what way? Behave. Now you behave, young lady. To be good. To do good. It's a very profound thing because this is really a big mix-up. And this is where... So this was one of my great walls in when God started revealing grace to me about a year and a half of navigating all the what-ifs and yeah-buts and really going, no, I really, I really like that God, this is incredible. Uh, my life was starting to, I, I mean, I'd been living in four and a half years of themes of depression, you know, and I, it's like... It was just, I was starting to wake up and I was going, this is, I have, it was like, it's a Keith Green song. It was like waking up from the longest dream. I'd been given a storybook that said, this is what Christianity is. And then all of a sudden God goes, it's not that, it's me. And I woke, I woke up to it. And when I woke to it, it started to change. And even my view of church started to change what I was doing. So it was about a, about a, it was in 2012, and uh, we'd been in this building for a while, and uh, I was ever so grateful to not be going where I normally went, and I was on the way in to preach a sermon about the grace of God. Uh, remember when I told you in 2012 that every sermon was going to be about grace, and then it was for a long time, and uh, still is today I'm a grace man I'm going to go out a grace man and everybody nod and you kind of joked with me and made fun of me and stuff but I haven't moved an inch and this is why because so I was coming in that morning and so glad about what I was going to be preaching and teaching and was pulling through there and I'd had some disparaging things said about me and there were some hassles with it and there were quite a few people voting with their feet and and uh, and I was going like this and the church if you looked in the natural was going like that and I was coming up uh, 71 highway 49 now and just as I got to the Grand, Grandview Triangle and I'd been praising and worshiping and thanking him and abiding Everything slowed down, and I don't know, it's, you know, I'm describing a subjective experience. 
So keep that in mind, because I don't want more of it made than what it is. I don't want less of it made than what it is. Same, you know, those, those kind of things. But everything, it was like, I was doing 70 and pushing the grace with 75 going up north. Hit the triangle and all of a sudden it was just like the truck went. It just, everything slowed down. And the hair on the back of my neck did that funny, you know, and everything felt different. And the Holy Spirit started to speak to me and he asked me a question. And this was the great profound question that he asked me. How you doing? Typical Christian question, right? How you doing with the Lord? How you doing with the Lord? Are you messing up? What do you need to tell me? How you doing? I didn't really know what to say. Because inside of me, I was explosive. But it was the voice of the Lord asking me to how I was doing. So I went, yeah, I think okay. <laughs> I'm really pretty good. And he gave me a little accommodation, and, and then he asked me another question. He said, how do you measure you? I went, oh, how do I measure me? Now you remember, everything slowed down. I don't know if it really slowed down, if time slowed down, but it gave me enough time to think. And so I'm thinking, how, uh, how do I measure me? And I went, ooh, I know how I really measure me. I still measure me about how well I'm behaving in by being a kind and sweet husband, which I, 95% of the time, I'm there. She's smiling, so it must be true. If I've been kind to people I don't like, and as kind to them as the people I do like, have I done anything wrong? Did I have any overt areas of sin in my life that were unconfessed yet? And I hadn't, you know, I really need to spend time with the Lord and do carpet time and repent and cry and tell him how seriously wrong I was. And so I told him, exactly, I said, wow, that's what I do. That's how I measure me. And he said to me, well said. He said, another question. How do you measure others? Now, I was sort of like one of those, the program lost, the others, you know. Did he mean Christians, non-Christians? Did he mean anybody? Who did he mean? He just said others. But I knew because it penetrated. And you got to remember, this is my encounter with engaging God. And he's, you know, and... I will tell you this, when you have those, and you've had them, and you know this, you don't lie. The truth is right there. So I told him, I said, how, how good they are, how bad they are, whether they're moral or immoral, when they, whether they're obedient or disobedient, whether they act righteous or unrighteously, according to my views, whether they're stinkers or slinkers or winkers. So I told him that. He said, again, well said. 
And then he asked the most devastating question. He said, how do you think I measure you? I had to get honest and go, you know, I think I must not know very well or you wouldn't be asking me. I'm not stupid. And he said, how do you think I measure others? And I went, I'm sure I don't know. Then he said, I will tell you. I will only ever measure you and I will only ever measure others by the cross of my son. And I was devastated. I broke into tears and laughter all at the same time because I knew I'm free. But others are... I have to treat others the same way because he measures us all the same and there's only one measuring stick in the whole universe and that's the cross of his son, what his son did. It doesn't mean you have to let somebody off the hook, though don't you have to let yourself off the hook? Well, they have to pay for what they did. Hmm. Didn't the cross do that? Shouldn't I be praying for the revelation of the cross to come into their life so that they could be free from the same hook that I got hooked with? It was one of the most freeing encounters I ever had because in it, here's here's how it ended. All of a sudden I got through the the triangle and I'm on I-435 West heading here and I was flooded with the immense, overwhelming feeling of the love of God, the love that he had for me. It, it overwhelmed, I was stunned by it. You know, you think you get a revelation of the knowledge of how that worked. And instead, I got a revelation of the knowledge of the love that God had for me and everybody else. For God so loved the world, we think, we think he meant like he was big. He so loved the world. He was a really big God. No, he loved in this way. He gave his son. Stunned. And I went, I don't think I know this very well, but I want to learn. I want to practice this. So if you look at Ephesians 3, I guess it'll help make sense out of all this. Again, I'm going to poke at us for being out of the charismatic realm. All the things that we want about revelation and about knowing what God, most of it's storytelling and future telling and forecasting so that we have future knowledge about something. And we really like that or we have future knowledge about something from the past that we're going to get healed from. And we really like that. I really like that. But that's not the knowledge that the scripture talks about. Read Ephesians 3 with me again. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your soul, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you being rooted and grounded in what? In love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know what? Not the knowledge of God. To know the love of Christ, which does what? Passes knowledge. I put all this effort into practicing righteousness and missed it that I was supposed to wallow in his love. Because his love went beyond the ability to know. We want to know so many things about God. Tell me what you're like, love. I'm like love. It passes knowledge that you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God. The fullness of God, not part of it. Oh, I long for Him to show me. In Christ, He's shown you everything necessary for godliness. He's given it to you. You don't have to ask for it. It's already there. It's a gift. You just have to let it. Allow. Let. Now to him who is able to do, this last part's so important, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I've never thought about that that way. Well, he's doing something beyond that. According to the power that works in us. What's the power that's working in you? It's the love of God. The power that's at work in you, the Holy Spirit that's working in you is His love. You're getting up in the morning saying, show me stuff, and God's going, I love you, 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 I love you. And because we don't hear it, He says it a hundred other times, then we go, I gotta go someplace else where they preach other stuff, not just the love of God. That makes your knees buckle. The power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Here comes this eternal aspect again, forever and ever. When I engage in the knowledge of the love of God, I am practicing eternal life. What will we know in heaven? The love of God. But won't we get other stuff? The love of God that passes all knowledge. I'd like to know how he formed the planets. The love of God. We're trying to get around something that we already have and then all we have to do is start engaging him with it because it will change our quality of life. In this, remember that in the Gospel of John, it was Jesus who declared that eternal life was knowing God. And Jesus, who he says, and God sent me so that you would know it. Let me close with this. It's found in 1 John 3, and you can read it this week. It's, it's verses 19 through 24. But the one I want to focus on is really... Now, let me read this whole thing to you. We'll close with this, because I'm going to read it to you in the Phillips. Because it's... it's oh, This is like... 
chocolate chip nugget cookies on top of cream brulee and, and the and you hungry yet? Philip's translation says First John 3 this way, If we live like this, we shall know that we are the children of truth and can reassure ourselves in the sight of God. I, I, don't, have a, I, I don't have it up there. You're just going to have to hear me. Even if our own hearts make us feel guilty. Did you hear that? Because like, when you do wrong things, your heart feels guilty. If we live like this, what I was talking about, we shall know that we are the children of truth and can reassure ourselves in the sight of God. Even if our own hearts make us feel guilty. For God is infinitely greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And if, dear friends of mine, when we realize this is our heart's that no longer accuse us, we may have the utmost confidence in God's presence. If God's greater than my heart that's accusing me, and he's not condemning me, I have eternal security. I have an assurance that can't be taken away. And if I practice that on a daily basis, by telling myself that and saying yes to it, my life will change. I didn't quit sinning because I got closer to God. I quit sinning because He died for it. He took care of it. We receive whatever we ask for because we are obeying His orders and following His plans. In hearing that, you have to see Obedience is a result, not a goal. Never is obedience a goal to attain to. That's called self-righteousness. But obedience is a result out of my communion and believing that God loves me. And it goes beyond all the other knowledge. So that's why you say, even on my worst day, he will not quit loving me. Now there may be messes here that i got to clean up. Sin can do really ugly, messy things. And I can really hurt somebody with it. And I can really be hurt by somebody else with it. Nevertheless, the word of God stands and says this. I will never condemn you. That condemnation was nailed in my being to a tree. And I rose from the dead that it could never have an effect on your life again. What? That's called the revelation of God's love. How great is God's love for me? He took it into himself and took it out of the way. It's not in the way anymore. It's not in the way. It's not in the way. Don't put it in the way. Agree with God. That's the anointing you were given. You have an anointing to be in agreement with what God says about you. I'm pretty free. Now, not everybody understands or likes that, but there are those who really like it. 
And they're free too. Look at it this week. Read 1 John 3 again. And let it, let that anointing that came from John teaching that start residing in you and you start confessing it and stating it to be true of yourself. Will you do that? Let me pray for us. Oh God, set us free. God, set us free from our own religious hearts that set up frameworks by which we have to compartmentalize who we are from who you are and explode into our lives with the revelation of the knowledge of the love that you have for each of us. Shine it into our hearts this week that we might glory in the one thing that there is real glory. That we might roll in the deep of your love. That we might just receive it again over and over and over and over. And Lord, I, I put down this flag for us. We won't grow weary of it. Tell it to us again. Say it to us again. Show it to us again. Don't stop. Don't ever let go. Hogtie us. Throw us down on the ground. Whatever you need to do. Tickle us. But let your spirit so dwell in us that we are changed beings now, forever, in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.